attention, armchair quarterbacks and shower thought GMs. It's time for this week's episode of Sports Ball with Mike Meharing and Alan Mosley. Mike, did you hear Cole Beasley's coming back to Buffalo? I hear about that. Very exciting, I guess, for Buffalo maybe. Yeah. A little bit less exciting when you realize he's an old white wide receiver. <laughs> he obviously didn't get any faster during his uh, time away. He did not. Guys, welcome back for another episode of Sports Ball. I am your host, Alan Mosley, joined as always by my friend and Tampa Bay Sports Super fan, Mike Meharry. Mike, how are things going down there in Tampa Bay? Oh, it's bad. I've I've rented my fandom out to uh, to a different team uh, for the rest of the NFL season. Uh, Miami Dolphins now, so they began their tank uh, last week. So there you go. Yeah, I was just about to say you've rented your fandom out to the team that's on a losing streak now. Congratulations. (laughs) That's how I know you're telling the truth. (laughs) Yes, this is typical Meharry. All right, guys, we're going to start the show with the way we always do with some shit announcers say constantly spanking him and he boots it through so it's stanley steamer constantly spanking him taking a knee here they're basically saying this is enough right we've had enough we yeah we all have <laughs> constantly spanking him a pretty good cunt uh, punt he's got 47 consecutive field goals here at home Constantly spanking him. Pirates are ready to get the booty. Wait, is that when a guy comes into your area? He took over for Chris Johnson, a guy who's done plenty of women, plenty of, excuse me, plenty of winning. Constantly spanking him. Now he finds himself dating a girl who made the best chocolate chip cookies in town, and the look on his face was like, woohoo! I forgot how much I love chocolate chip cookies. I'm gonna get chocolate chip cookies all the time. Woohoo! Woohoo! Now. Woohoo, Bill. Constantly spanking him. Game the red shirt, soft, red shirt sophomore. People said that Jalen Hurts couldn't get it done. He couldn't operate from the pocket. He's not the quarterback of the future. I think he proved all those jigaboos wrong. You know, and when you talk about other teams. Constantly spanking him. <laughs> He's more of a slap on the butt kind of guy, too. There you go. <laughs> constantly spanking him. Mike, are we allowed to say that word on the show? I don't think so. Okay. I think we just, think we just got canceled. Yeah. We uh, well, he, he, yeah, he said it. Robert Griffin, the third said it. We didn't say it. Maybe he has a pass for saying that. I don't know. He might. Okay. Speaking of having a pass, I have a puck to the head. So yeah, we're going after the NFL today with a puck to the head. And, and so let me set this up the other day or after the uh, game last week, we have um, the uh, Washington Commanders quarterback, Tyler Henneke, uh enjoying a beer on the team plane. Imagine while that. While celebrating. Yeah, he was celebrating the team's win Monday night over Philadelphia. Um, and he also then, has a lot of bling. <laughs> he does have a lot of bling. <laughs> I noticed that. So anyway, yeah. So then... Early uh, Friday morning, Tennessee Titans offensive coordinator Todd Downing was arrested and charged with driving under the influence and speeding um, just after the team returned from its game 
against Green Bay. So now we have NFL pearl clutching about Uh-oh. its drinking policy. So you put those two things together, right? You've got the guy drinking on the team plane and you got this drunk driving thing. So now everybody's worried about drinking. And the NFL has a longstanding policy about no alcohol in the uh, facilities, on the planes. Um, and so we got this statement from the NFL. In light of recent events, clubs are reminded that league policy prohibits alcohol, alcohol, alcoholic beverages, including beer, in the locker rooms, practice or office facilities, or while traveling on planes or team buses at any time during the preseason, regular season, or postseason. This applies to all players, coaches, club personnel, and guests traveling with the team. Uh, it says making alcohol available at club facilities or while traveling creates significant unnecessary risk to the league, its players, coaches, and others. And of course, violations will be taken seriously and will result in significant discipline. Now, on its face, I, I get the alcohol policy, kind of. But here's why the NFL gets a puck to the head on all of this. One word, hypocrisy. You do realize that the NFL has an official beer, mm-hmm. Bud Light. They also have an official wine, which is Gallo. And they recently brought on Diageo, or Diageo. I'm not sure you pronounce that. But they are the global leaders in beverage alcohol, including Smirnoff Vodka, Captain Morgan Spiced Rum, and Bruce Arians' favorite, Crown Royal Whiskey. Not to mention the fact that what is the staple of every Super Bowl commercial montage? It's the beer commercial. Mm-hmm. So it seems a little bit disingenuous to be all, oh, we can't have alcohol in the planes when alcohol is a significant revenue source for the NFL. I don't like hypocrisy, and that's why I'm shooting a puck to the head at the entire NFL uh, brain trust. You know, this this is a conversation that comes up all the time, which is, um, does your employer allow you to drink when you're on the clock? Of course not. But... Are NFL players on the clock for the entirety of their lives as long as they're signed to a team? I, I kind of balk at that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the NFL says yes. I think that that's a bit of a stretch. Yeah, I agree. Right. On that note, it's time to go on an adventure, everyone. It's time for... Ooh. Adventures and Officiating. I want you to take a look at this from the Carolina Seahawks game. Two Panthers are taken in by... Geno Smith's hard count. He knows he has a free play, so he just lobs it up. Of course, it gets intercepted, but it's an offside, so it's it's going to come back, right? They'll get the five yards. They'll try it again. But wait, there's no flag. There's no flag. There was multiple Panthers edge rushers. Watch this right here. So two, three guys dipped their heads past the neutral zone, and no flags on the field it counts as a pick panthers ball uh if so if you're wondering how the panthers secured the big upset this past week that certainly went a long way towards making it happen uh pete carroll obviously is trying to figure out why on earth that's not offsides but don't worry just to prove that it's no fluke the very next play panthers ball first down being rushed out of the pocket trying to get to the sideline he gets tackled and oh here it is there's the flag for some combination of horse collar plus late hit plus roughing the quarterback. But hold on just a second here. Let's take a look at this. So he's rolling out. He's rolling out. He's in, Look, he's in bounds. He's still in bounds. 
So it's not a late hit because he's in bounds. Now look from the backside. That's not a horse collar. He just drug him down. The hand <laughs> apps was in no way in the collar shoulder area. And you can see he's pleading with the ref because they're looking up to the Jumbotron, right? And he's pointing and saying, look, you got it wrong. And when everyone looks up and, and they see that they got it wrong, you know what happens then? Nothing. Nothing. Because the call <laughs> has been made and it's not reviewable. Mike, we have this every single week and the debate continues for calls that are supposed to be ob you have your subjective calls and your objective calls. And the the league balks at having reviews for subjective calls because it opens up that Pandora's box of, well, we have to draw the line at what is and isn't a call if you're going to bother to have a review. But on the other hand, they keep getting them wrong. <laughs> they do indeed. It's frustrating. It makes the game almost unwatchable. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you, if you watched any of the uh, Bucks San Francisco game, but very first play of the game, uh, Purdy, the uh, rookie quarterback, he got mm -hmm. leveled on a corner blitz. And it was a hard hit. And yes, the, the blitzer did drop his head just a little bit. But I mean, it was really just a good old fashioned tackle. Here mm -hmm. comes the flag, you know. Yeah. It's uh, it's frustrating because they've they've changed the entire game uh, by the things they now officiate, and then obviously the things that they don't officiate that they should. Yeah, makes me sad. Speaking of sad, a lot of uh, USC fans are sad this week. What did you think about the uh, playoff uh, for the college football? Well, here's the final rankings right here. And, you know, I, I got to tell you uh, a few takeaways. So, for one, I do think the top four is the most correct top four with the information we have as of the final week of the season. Yeah. Um, you know, some people had to play in, the, in, the, in their conference championship. Some people don't. Um, some people are more punished for losing late versus losing early. You know, th those issues still exist, but the fact of the matter is, is number one's number one, right? We know that. Right. Uh, number two's number two. We know that they beat Ohio uh -huh. state. They won their conference. Um, the only question really comes after that. And then with number three, you have a TCU team that, uh, ran the table, only lost one game. It just so happened to be their final game of the season. And I won't pretend that that's not a problem. But you, you have a lot of teams below them that have multiple losses. And so I, uh -huh. I feel like when it's multiple losses, it, it, I mean, it's a moot point, right? You have more losses than us. Um, these other teams didn't even play in their conference championship games and had multiple losses. So it's, it's, it's a non-factor. And then, of course, you have Ohio State, who we knew this was going to happen. We knew that there was going to be an Ohio State-Michigan game that if both were undefeated, only one could emerge. Um and again, they, they have one less loss than the next teams out. Um, and the next teams immediately behind them also didn't play in their conference title games, just like Ohio State didn't. So all things being right. equal, one less loss. I, I don't see any argument there. The one pet peeve I will say for the rankings as they exist is the who was ranked fifth and sixth didn't matter because they just didn't have a chance to overtake fourth place. With that said, right. it is absolutely atrocious that Alabama is ranked ahead of Tennessee in the final rankings. Guys, I understand that it is a it is ultimately a culmination of a poll by college football playoff voters, but those voters aren't just voting with their fee fees. 
They're voting based <laughs> on a set of criteria that is explicitly laid out by the college football playoff committee. And in that specific set of five criteria that includes things such as, of course, record, but also head-to-head, common opponents, strength of schedule, margin, etc., Tennessee actually statistically leads in all five categories. They can't yeah. possibly be ranked lower, and this is why we need more playoff spots. Yeah, my guess is that the folks in the room are looking at Tennessee without their quarterback mm-hmm. and saying, well, this team is clearly not better than Alabama you know, without Hooker. Mm-hmm. That said, that goes back to your point. This is supposed to be voted on by uh, uh, based on a set of criteria. Mm-hmm. That ain't one of the criteria. No. It, so, in fact, the the number one criteria is surprise head to head. We already know what happens on the field when these teams play. There is okay. no ambiguity to this question. Right. And so you go. What what you're seeing is you're seeing that subjectivism filter mm-hmm. in. And, and I mean, I, it's not necessarily a bad argument on its face to say that Tennessee is a lesser team without their quarterback. Mm-hmm. But again, the whole idea of having these objective criteria is to get that subjectivity out of the of the system. And now we're right back to the subjectivity. So, yeah, and I think I, you're right. I think we need more playoff spots. I'd also argue if you've seen Milton throw the ball down the field and if you've seen the way Alabama finished the season against LSU, actually, I think UT might beat them again. Yeah. So there's also that. Uh, right. So finally, and it's subjective. I mean, you can make yeah. that argument, right? So let's look at, just for a hypothetical, before we take our first commercial break, what would the playoff landscape look like if the college football playoff started, expanded playoff started this year instead of next year? Now, good news really quick. They are starting it next year. They were able to expedite the process. The Rose Bowl was the final hang, uh, uh, holdover. They Shock. agreed. Yeah, I know, right? Freaking snowflakes. Snowflakes in California, am I right? Uh, Imagine. So... They have agreed we are having the expanded playoff next year. If we had it this year, this is what it would look like. Now, a couple of reminders. It's not just a straight seed 1 through 12 because there's a few wrinkles to the rules. It's based on the expanded playoff format, which means that the top four conference champions get the the top four in rankings of conference champions get the bye week. So they are automatically 1 through 4. Uh, and then after that, you have seeding based on ranking with the of course the one caveat being the highest ranked uh mid-major champion is going to get in the top 12 so that's why you have Tulane there at number 12 so let's take a look at this because there's some winners and losers I mean I feel like more winners than losers right because everyone gets in it's just a matter of where you're seated right uh number one no change number two no change at number three you have Clemson because they are a higher-ranked conference champion. Then number four, mm-hmm. kind of a little bit of a surprise, Utah Utes. Again, right. they beat USC to win the Pac-12, and they're ranked higher than the other conference champions, including K-State, which knocked off uh-huh. TCU. So that's why they get the four spot. TCU being the higher-ranked team, but but they are penalized for losing that game. So they're still in the playoffs, uh-huh. mind you. But they're not in the top four, so they get the fifth spot. But that also means they're playing the lowest-ranked uh, conference champion, the mid-major, at Tulane. Uh, mm-hmm. Then you have 
six and seven, which is Ohio State. So they're bumped out of the top four because, look, you lost it. You, you didn't win your conference, so you're going to be penalized. Right. But you're still ranked pretty high. And they're getting mm-hmm. a rematch with Penn State, who now makes the playoffs by a factor of being in the top 12. Uh, mm-hmm. You have Alabama Crimson Tide does indeed make the playoffs in this format. Again, they're, they're having to play in the first round. They didn't win the SEC. They didn't even win the SEC West. Uh, and they're playing that USC team that got knocked out in the final week. Uh, then you have arch-rival Tennessee over there playing K-State. Now, K-State mm-hmm. is actually a major conference champion, but they came in ranked lower than the other major conference champions. So then they they fall into the pool of seeds based on ranked as opposed to based on conference champions. So they're right. actually the in the bottom half, and they're going to play Tennessee in their first matchup. Uh, of course, then you have the USC game, Penn State, and Tulane. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike, we, we talked about this a few weeks ago when we were just sort of previewing this. I, I got to say, that just looks like a lot of awesome football to me. Well, I, that's my first thought. I'm looking at this and thinking, I don't see any game in that set of matchups that I would not be interested in watching. And I think it's important to note for, for the skeptics out there that this this brings in pretty much anybody that's been in the conversation for the national championship. And that's what I like about this expanded format. You're always going to have debates about, about seating and whatnot. And, and those are fair arguments to talk about. But the bottom line is when you look at this, you're looking at all of the teams that were in the mix, as I, as I just said, and it allows us to, to play it out on the field. So we get to see, you know, what what about Tennessee without their quarterback? Maybe they can make a run. Now they have the opportunity. You know, you have a USC who gets who gets knocked out in its conference championship game. Still obviously a strong team. We get to see it on the field. That's what I love about this expanded playoff. It's going to be settled on the field, and you bring in, arguably in this season, all of the teams that have ever really been in the conversation. So I like it. Absolutely. And of course, you know me as a homer for the little guy. Tulane gets in. Um, if TCU is, if that was a blip on the radar, then they're going to roll through that game and get back in the final four. Um, mm-hmm. If it wasn't, then Tulane has a shot at going all the way. So, I mean, right. more power to them. Um, with all that said, guys, do you want to talk about college football bowls in particular? We're not picking them all. So calm down. <laughs> But when we come back from the commercial break, we're going to do the annual sports ball college bowl pick 'em. Don't go away. If you're enjoying this afternoon's episode of Sports Ball, consider supporting the program by joining our Patreon over at patreon.com slash Mosley. Tune in to It's Too Late with Alan Mosley, Wednesday nights at 9 o'clock Eastern Time on your favorite video platform of choice. Just search Alan Mosley TV. All right, Mike Meharry, if we're ever going to get through this episode, we gotta we got to be we got to be on a roll on this one. So let's All take right, 5 I'm minutes ready. to talk about how we need to be quicker. Let's let's <laughs> let's do a good job. All right, it's time for the annual Sports Ball College Bowl Pick 'em. 
We're picking 17 bowl games. I guess technically 18 if we're going to go ahead and say who we think the national title winner is going to be. So 18 bowl games out of the 9 million bowl games that there are. Uh, Starting with... Number one, the Duluth Trading Cure Bowl. I, I actually enjoy all the random BS corporate. Yes. <laughs> all right. Anyway, um, this is actually two ranked teams, believe it or not. This is Friday night. Number 25, UTSA Roadrunners are two and a half point dogs at the number 24, Troy Tro- Trojans, two and a half point favorites. That's actually 25th versus 24th. And the reason why you're, if you're wondering how did these two teams get in our bowl pick them, not only are they both ranked, they're both 11 and two. This might be one of those hidden gems of the bowl season. Yeah, it might be a good game. I think I'm going to go with the favorite. I'm going to go with Troy. You know, I mean, both of these teams had good seasons. I'm actually, I'm just going to be a contrarian for you. I'm actually going to go with UTSA. Um, they they had a little bit of hype early in the season that if they, one more one more upset win, and I think that they would have had a serious opportunity to be the mid major representative to be ranked ahead of Tulane. Uh, so I'm going UTSA. We're moving on. The Florida Gators somehow still get a bowl game. The Florida <laughs> Gators are seven and a half point underdogs. We are picking against the spread. Are uh, going against the number fourteen Oregon State Beavers. Um, this is one of those weird matchups where you know they're it's the Las Vegas Bowl. It's so we're taking SEC and Pac twelve. Oregon State overperformed this year, finished with a really strong nine and three record, and they're they're being seven and a half point favorites against Florida Gators, who I mean, you know, Florida obviously had its ups and downs, but I mean they at least finished the season in bowl contention, but seven and a half points. What do you think? If I'm putting money on this, I'm going with Oregon State. Simply because I have no idea who's playing quarterback for the Florida yeah. Gators. Uh, yeah. Starting quarterback is is opting for the NFL draft, uh, mm-hmm. Richardson, and then you've got their backup who got busted for child porn. So he's gone. That was uh, Kitna's son. So, yeah, I, I think just with all of that chaos and, and having a quarterback who's done no plays this year, I think I would have to go with Oregon State. Okay, I was going to say Florida, but you've convinced me. I'm (laughs) I'm going with Oregon State. All right, we're moving on to the mean green of North Texas, who are four-and-a-half-point dogs, to the Boise State Broncos. So Boise State, who finishes strong, uh, they they win out, win win the conference. Uh, They're four-and-a-half-point favorites. Um, That's a relatively small spread uh, for a team that has perennially been strong like Boise State. Boise State started off weak. They ended up firing their offensive coordinator and benching their quarterback, both moves that should have been done in the offseason, and they failed to do. And what did did it cost them? It cost them a few losses. But then they go on a stretch of winning like seven out of eight games, and that's why they're sitting there at nine and four. What do you think? I'm all about momentum. So with that, I'm going to go with the Bluefield Boise mm. States. Yeah, and this is this is the Frisco Bowl in case because when I think Frisco, I think North Texas <laughs> and Boise State. All right, uh, I'm going Boise State. So we're moving on to the AutoZone Liberty Bowl, the Liberty Bowl between the Kansas Jayhawks and Arkansas Razorbacks. This is a this is a very strange game. Kansas is the four and a half point dog. You might remember in the first half of the year, Kansas was the darling of the league because they were the little team that could that suddenly started on a huge win streak. But they, mm-hmm. they they basically went on a huge losing streak and finished six and six. Still a bowl game, but nowhere near where they were in the first six, eight weeks. 
Arkansas, similar story. Arkansas is the four and a half point favorite. I think mostly because they're the SEC team in this matchup. They're also six and six. Arkansas was the team that beat the teams worse than them and got murdered by the teams better than them. I'm going to go with the conventional wisdom. Pick the SEC team. Razorbacks. You know what? I'm actually going to go with Kansas, believe it or not. Uh, the, my my reasoning for that is is that every year there's always one or two games where the the conventional SEC juggernaut lays an egg. Um, mm-hmm. Arkansas is a six and six team. They're lucky to have a bowl game. Arkansas and yeah. Florida are both similar teams in that purely from talent on the roster, you just assume well these are good teams. But of course, they also had brutal schedules. Right. Um, and six wins is all they could get. So I'm going to go with Kansas. Uh, North Carolina Tar Heels. Nine and a half point underdogs to the number 15 Oregon Ducks. Uh, Mike, that's a really big spread. I know North Carolina is not exactly a world beater, but they did finish nine and four and runners up in the ACC. Um, that's a little bit more credentials than the number 15 Ducks have, who also, they only finished nine and three. So they both have the same number of wins, but it's almost a 10 point spread. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with North Carolina, not necessarily to win outright, but with that spread. Mm-hmm. Um, I've watched both teams. I think North Carolina has some nice pieces to it. And um, I think it'll be closer than that if not a North Carolina win. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it just kind of boils down to do you think that North Carolina being an ACC runner up holds any weight? Or do you think that Oregon being the team that was ranked early, fell back after some disappointing losses, clawed their way back to a nine win season? Do you think they're the, they're the better program? I'm I'm going to agree with you. I, th- I actually think Oregon wins, but I don't think they win by 10. Yeah. All right. Texas Tech Red Raiders, three and a half point underdogs to the Old Miss Rebels. Boy, old, you want to talk about teams whose fate really changed drastically over the last few weeks of the season is Old Miss. So Old Miss went from in the driver's seat to win the SEC West and go undefeated to unranked. Yeah. That's how quick it happened for them. Uh, so seven and five versus eight and four. What do you think? I'm going to go with the with Texas Tech just because I don't think Ole Miss cares. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and you see that a lot in bowl games. You know, teams that that overachieved or did well regular mm-hmm. during the season, and then they get in the bowl game after tanking, and it's just like it's just mm-hmm. no interest. I can definitely see that happening to uh, to Ole Miss. It is the Tax Act Texas Bowl. It's basically going to be a home game for the Red Raiders, but I'm actually going to go with Old Miss. I'm I'm going to give, far be it for me to give Lane Kiffin the benefit of the doubt, but I'm <laughs> going to give him the benefit of the doubt that he gets his team ready to play. I mean, Just signed on, a big contract expansion, extension. This is true. On paper, and especially over the last month of the season, I mean, you just think Old Miss is an overwhelmingly better team than Texas Tech. Yeah. Um, the Cheez-It Bowl. Who would win this matchup? If I had told you before the season, Oklahoma Sooners and Florida State Seminoles, you would say, oh, that sounds like a national title game or a playoff game. But no, mm-hmm. it's a game between a 6-6 six and six Oklahoma team plus 7.5 points against the number 13 Seminoles, who did finish 9-3, and 7.5-point underdogs. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you my pick. I am picking Florida State. And the main reason is, is if that team on the left wasn't named Oklahoma, they're not even in a bowl game. Yeah, I agree with you. Florida State's actually one of the biggest turnaround teams, I think, of the of the year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they would be on the uh, outside 
but at least in the discussion, uh, if we had the expanded playoff, yes, um, yeah. So they've got some. They've got some nice pieces. They've got a good quarterback. They've got a good running game. Their offensive line is a lot better than it was last year. So I'm I'm going to go with the go with the Knolls. Yeah, absolutely. If they had won one more game, they'd been in an expanded playoff. All right, we're moving on to the Alamo Bowl minus three. Alamo Bowl in Texas gets to play. That seems rigged. All right, so the number twenty <laughs> Texas Longhorns three and a half point favorites against the number 12 Washington Huskies. So the lower-ranked team is actually the three-and-a-half-point favorite over the Huskies. I mean, Washington finished the season 10-2, and two, and they're underdogs against a lower-ranked team. What do you think? I have this Pac-12 bias, mm-hmm. which leads me to pick the Longhorns. Whether that's fair or not, I don't know. But I just, I'm just not sold on the pack on, on the Pac-12, and uh, I, I think Texas has done some nice things. So I'm, I'm going to go with the Horns, especially playing in the Alamo Bowl. You got to go with the Texans in the Alamo Bowl. I'm actually going to go with Washington on this, and my main reasoning is, is I, I think Texas has floated on the clout of we almost beat Alabama for basically the whole season. Yeah, there is that. Yeah, and 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 eight and four is certainly not a bad record. They finished the season ranked. You know, more power to them. But I think most people would agree that the Big Twelve is was not a great conference. Was pretty top heavy. I mean, the surprise team TCU was really the team to beat. Oklahoma mm-hmm. was nowhere to be found. I mean, Texas mm-hmm. blew them out. But that I mean that that's just a feather in their cap. It's it doesn't mean anything. Oklahoma sucked. Uh, Kansas right. State. You know, Oklahoma State fell off after a while. So finishing eight and four, not really being able to topple any of the top teams in a middling conference, I, I just don't see it. Like I said, I, I think they were rolling on the we were a, we were an injured quarterback away from beating Bama. That they lived on that all year, and that was the game one of the season. So I'm going to go with Washington. Okay, fair enough. Now we have number 21, Notre Dame, who is thankfully not in the playoff discussion. Imagine that. (laughs) But they are minus four and a half point favorites over the number 19 South Carolina Gamecocks. So this is another another game where the lower ranked team is the favorite. Uh, Both teams have the same record and they're South Carolina being the SEC team, but they're the underdog. What do you think about that? That's a tough that's a tough pick. I hate Notre Dame. I think I'm going to pick Notre Dame. Oh, um, yeah. South Carolina has been up and down and, and it really falls on their, uh, their quarterback Rattler who has mm-hmm. been really good and then really bad. And I think the kid's kind of a head case. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going with the, I'm going with Notre Dame. Oh, that just it don't, hurts coming out of my mouth. Don't worry, Mike. I'm going to go with South Carolina. And, and you want to talk about being up and down. At least they finished up. I mean, this was a team that beat That's UT true. and then Clemson in back-to-back weeks to close out the season. Yeah. I think the team that took care of Tennessee and Clemson destroys Notre Dame. Now, they might come out to be the team that was 500 halfway through the season. Don't get me right. wrong. But the team over the last few weeks kills Notre Dame. Yeah. You know what's in my head is, is well, never mind. It doesn't matter. Okay. We don't do thoughts <laughs> from a hairy head anymore. No, that, that's uh, not a thing. The or- the most orange of orange bowls. Yes. The Tennessee, the, the orange on the left is just the objectively more beautiful one. The Tennessee Volunteers, who did finish at number six, are four and a half point underdogs against the number seven Clemson Tigers. Ten and two versus eleven and two. Uh, you know, it's 
This game would have been a epic Orange Bowl matchup between Orange teams before both teams had like half their starters declare for the draft and set out. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, this is hard to pick. Um, I think it's really going to come down to motivation. Mm-hmm. And I think Tennessee is going to have a little bit more motivation than Clemson. I'm going to pick the Vols. This actually makes me sad because I'm actually picking Clemson. I'm picking Clemson <laughs> to cover the spread, and it's because, uh, of course, Hooker is out for the year. I know he'll be right. there cheering on his team. Milton's getting the start. He has another year of eligibility, so he's going to be starting this week, and he'll probably be the starter next year, almost for certain. Um, but he's not Hooker. Uh, if there was anything that could bail him out, it would be throwing a bunch of jump balls and deep routes to a fantastic wide receiver core, except for Cedric Tillman and Jalen Hyatt have both set out to declare for the NFL draft. Both. Yeah. Um, yikes. I mean, that just, it sucks yeah. for him. Um, y- you know, I will never, ever, ever complain when a kid does that because who am I to tell this guy, no, don't, don't get ready to make millions of dollars. Play for me. Dance monkey. No, that's not fair. You should never be like that. Um, with that said, it, it seriously kneecaps them in what would be an awesome six versus seven matchup. Yeah. A- another conversation for us to have in the future is, is that when the expanded playoffs do get here, will more players opt to finish out the season rather than sit out when there's playoffs to be had rather than just a bowl game a month later? Yeah, I think so. We'll, we'll talk about that. All right. And then you have the Sugar Bowl, Alabama Crimson Tide, four-and-a-half-point favorites going up against the Kansas State Wildcats. I mean, Kansas State did win the Big 12 by being the only team to beat TCU, and they did beat them convincingly. Uh, a 10-2 and two team versus a 10-3 and three team. What do you think? I'm going to go against my normal inclination to pick teams that I feel like are going to have a little more to prove. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that it, that would lead me to pick uh, K-State, but I think Alabama is going to come into this mad. I think Sabrin's going to have them motivated, and I think they're going to roll. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. So this this definitely reeks of me of that annual game where an SEC team lays an egg because they don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. This reeks of that. But I think that Alabama will stave off that that quitters mentality this year. I, I agree with you. I think that even though I don't see them as a legitimate top four team, I think they see themselves as a legitimate top four team. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think assuming Bryce Young actually shows up <laughs> to play the game, um, I think they roll Kansas State. I really do. The, the Kansas State team that beat TCU by being able to run all over the field will find that Alabama is a slightly different beast. Yes. All right, we're moving on to the Iowa Hawkeyes, who are only in this segment because they're playing your team. Uh, the Iowa Hawkeyes <laughs> are one-and-a-half-point dogs, a seven-and-five seven team playing the Music City Bowl against the Kentucky Wildcats. What do you think? I don't know if Levis is playing. I'm going to assume he's not because I think he's declared for the draft. Mm-hmm. Um. I- there's going to be no points scored in this game. Correct. No one's scoring points. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to go the homer pick and go for go for the Cats. Uh they tend to play well in bowl games uh, and and uh, they tend to be motivated for them. So we'll go we'll go UK, but I think it's going to be uh it's going to be a weird game. So so my bias is also to go against Iowa because I was I was there watching highlights of those first so many games of the season where they were having, you know, three point 
you know, three-point contests, six-point contests, you know, five versus three at half point at halftime type contests. And I thought, wow, this is I don't even care if they win the game. This is the worst team in the country. Somehow they finished the season seven and five. Um, I'm actually going to go Iowa because I think if Will Levis doesn't play, then I think not only is that your starting quarterback, but I think that you're going to have a, a big chunk of the team just phone it in. Yeah, it'll be uh, three nothing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be three nothing Iowa. So there you go. Uh, this so this is our first uh, college football playoff semifinal game, Fiesta Bowl, TCU Horn Frogs. So this, th- you know, congratulations for finishing the season just one shy of undefeated. You get you make the playoffs. Now you get to be nine and a half point dogs to the Michigan State Wolverines. What do you think? That's a big number. It is a big number. But for then, a top but then team. we. We've had a lot of blowouts in these semifinal games, too. So I think TCU can hang with Michigan. I think it's going to be closer than that. So we're going to pick Michigan just based on the points. I mean, we're going to pick TCU based on the points, not necessarily a uh, Michigan win. So I'm actually going to take Michigan minus the nine and a half. I think that the TCU loss against Kansas State was not a fluke. I think TCU could have easily lost three or four games this year if a few things didn't go their way. Now, don't get me wrong. They did go their way, and it's not a fluke that they had as good of a year that they had. Um, Michigan's actually legit. Yeah, um, yeah they're they're definitely legit. So I mean, you 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 think of like when do we last remember these teams? So Michigan doesn't just barely beat Ohio State; they run Ohio State out of the arena and then win the Big Ten versus a TCU team that struggled to beat teams like West Virginia, limped into their conference title game and and got beat in a rematch game. I think yeah. Michigan destroys TCU. I really do. Well, when you put it that way. <laughs> I, I already can tell you who I think the national t- – I think it's going to be Georgia and Michigan, but we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, yeah, spe- oh, speaking of that, you have Ohio <laughs> State, number four seed. They're six-and-a-half-point dogs to the Georgia Bulldogs. So, again, notice that even though this is technically the four versus the one, it's it's slated to be a closer game than the two and the three. That's just how the seeding panned out. What do you think? Well, I think Ohio State had a hard time scoring on Michigan. I think mm-hmm. they're gonna have a really hard time scoring on Georgia, so I'm gonna take the I'm gonna take the uh, take the dogs. Yeah, I think I think, the, I think Georgia's far and away the best team in college football. Yeah, I I agree. So so while I think that um, TCU is for sure the loser of that previous uh, playoff matchup, um, I I I don't. It's weird because it's like if I was rating the games based on my own confidence, I think this one would be one notch down from the previous pick. I think Michigan mm-hmm. for sure will beat TCU. Um, but with that said, I also think Georgia is head and shoulders above the next best team in college football. So I'm going to go with Georgia. Uh, the Tulane Green Wave, who would be a playoff team if this were an expanded playoff, are only one and a half point underdogs to the USC Trojans. Both finished the season 11 and 2. What do you think, Mike? I think SC wins the game. <laughs> I'm I'm a little. This is one that makes me nervous. With the we don't give a you know what, mm-hmm. yeah. um, as far as USC goes, but I still think that just talent on the field will uh, will win that game. Of course, you know now that I'm thinking about it, you look at Tulane. We, it's the classic little guy that has something to prove. So mm-hmm. it it might be close, but I think SC will pull it out. 
So I, I, I always root for the underdogs. Um, I'm, I'm very happy for the expanded playoff to be coming next year, and I would love to see a team like a Tulane have a chance to prove it on the field. With that said, in my mind, when you're, when you're talking about the eye test and the smell test, we've had some mid-majors in the last decade or two that you thought, man, if they had a chance to prove it on the field, they could have done it. I don't mm-hmm. think that way about this year's Tulane Yeah, I don't team. either. Yeah. So I'm going to go with USC. You have the LSU Tigers. Now, this is an interesting matchup for one particular reason, in that these are technically two conference runner-ups. You just don't think of it that way because the, right. the conference was won by teams way, way better than them. So you have SEC runner-up LSU, 17th ranked, 9-4, and four, five and a half point underdog, or excuse me, favorites, playing the unranked Purdue Boilermakers. I mean, you look at that 8-5 and five unranked and you think, man, that's not that good of a team. And I mean, they went to the conference title game, so they can't be complete nobodies. But that's also what you get when, you know, all the traditionally best Big Ten teams are in the same, same uh, division. So what do you think, Mike? I'm going to go with the LSU. Purdue's, Brahms out in Purdue. He's going to Louisville. Mm-hmm. So you've yep. got coaching shakeup. I think LSU is, is a pretty darn good team. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're going to go with the Tigers. Yeah, I'm going to go with LSU as well. Um, I, I will say this is another one of those games that if, 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 a month from now, we're looking back, and you say, "Hey, did you see that one game where an LS, where an SEC team laid an egg?" This is another yeah. one of those that it could be it's a possibility. Um, but I'm good. But the the smart money is LSU. But I probably wouldn't bet on the game if I were betting real money. Yeah, I wouldn't uh, bet on any of these games. Next to last, you have the Penn State Nittany Lions, who somehow at at current close are half point favorites over the Utah Utes. And that's a number 11 versus a number 8, a 10 and 2 versus a 10 and 3. Uh Penn State had a good season. They just lost to the two teams that we all know were the best two teams in the Big 10. They beat everyone else. So you can't fault them for that. And Utah, 10 and 3, they might not have had the best mid-season, but they upset USC and then just to prove it wasn't a fluke, they really upset USC. They blew them out yeah. of the water and won the Pac-10. What do you think? It's going to be a good game, I think. I think this may yeah. be one of the best bowl matchups that there is. I'm going to go with the Utes. Um, I just like the I, I like the way they play the game. It's mm-hmm. they're physical. They beat you up. Um, so yeah, I think I think we'll go with the Utes. Utah is an interesting team because I feel like they play Big Ten football, but they're in the Pac-12. Yeah. So this is going to feel a lot like a Big Ten game, but I think that that really plays to Penn State's. F- favor i think that that's the brand of football that they favor and i think if you told penn state right now you need to win one game that's going to be in the trenches uh played on field position and field goals and inside draws and if you win that game you win the national title they'd say all right line us up let's go so i'm going to go with penn state in that although i agree um we probably should have done like a you know what are our top three or four like highlight games of the year i i think this could be one of the best bowl games and finally since we've done all these games real quick before we do in memoriam national title game we both picked georgia we both picked michigan who wins the national title i say georgia yeah i say georgia too although that's another one of those it shouldn't be a high confidence pick right because it should be the two best teams going head to head um but while Michigan absolutely destroyed Ohio State, and that certainly is a great look for them, 
I mean, the only reason it wasn't Georgia from poll to poll was because of voters. Yeah. That's the only reason. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Georgia. With that said, it's time for In Memoriam. We'll remember a player, a team, a coach, whoever, whose sporting life was cut tragically short. Mike, who are you remembering this week? Well, I'm going to be remembering Arizona Cardinals quarterback Kyler Murray, who oh. suffered a non-contact ACL tear in his right knee against the Patriots. His season is done. Now, you might argue that his season was already done. He had a pedestrian 76.1 quarterback ranking with just 14 touchdowns to seven picks. And more significantly, the Cardinals are god-awful with an abysmal 4-9 and nine record, so maybe this was just mercy for Murray. Yikes. Mike, I'm remembering it's that time of year again where your team is either jockeying for the playoffs or jockeying for the draft. The first three teams to be eliminated from playoff contention, the Texans, Broncos, and Bears. All right. So we're only going to do one actual pick in the pick segment because forgive us. Because we picked, picked, a bunch we've of picked picks. enough. We're going to do Thursday night football this week. San Francisco yeah. 49ers are three-point favorites traveling to Seattle to play the Seahawks. What do you think? This is a hard game because San Francisco may well be playing with their backup, backup, backup quarterback. Mm -hmm. um, I was impressed with Purdy in the mm -hmm. uh, game against the Bucks. Uh, all things being equal, I've got to pick the 49ers. Uh, yeah. Seattle's not looked good the last couple of games. They lost to the Bucks for God's sake. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and take the Niners, but it could be interesting if Purdy does not play. There's there's definitely that point in the season in those teams where you just see that they they click into that next gear and they're ready for the postseason. The even though the 49ers are down to third string rookie Brock Purdy, they on if if you didn't know that if you just watched them on the field, you would say this team's ready for the postseason. Uh, yeah. I think the 49ers are going to win the division. Uh, they're, they're going to be a tough out. So we'll see. Yeah. I'm going to go 49ers as well. Well, Mike, you've got a, you've, you've got a, you've got a great defense and you can hand the ball to McCaffrey. So that's a, that's a pretty true. good combination right there. Do you have a final thought? I do have a th final thought. Alexander Ovechkin, Washington Capitals, longtime star netted his 800th NHL goal in his career against the Chicago Blackhawks. That is a lot. He okay. actually uh, he actually had a hat trick on uh, on this game or during this game, which you'll see the hats flying onto the ice. Um, so yeah, eight hundred goals, one more, and he will tie Gordy Howe for the second most goals scored in NHL history. Now get this: it is possible if he plays three or four more years and can average twenty five goals a game, he could pass Gretzky and become the all time goal scorer. Uh, he would need 894, so he needs 94 more goals to catch up with uh, with the great Gretzky. Now, that being said, even if he did that, he wouldn't be anywhere near Gretzky as far as total points. So, Yeah, I was just about to say, so if Gretzky loses all of his goals and Ovechkin sets the new record, how close is he then in having the all-time points record? Is the I, answer is not very? I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, the answer is not very. I, I, I The window I had open for that actually crashed. So I can't look at the actual numbers, but um, the uh, you could take away all of Gretzky's goals and he still has more than twice the points of anybody else that's ever played. It's, it's Yikes. insane, but congrats to Ovechkin because that's a, it's quite a, uh, quite a feat. And he's been a heck of a player for a long time. One thing I've always loved about Ovechkin is he, 
he's not just a goal scorer. He'll he'll hit you. He'll fight with you. He plays defense. Mm-hmm. He's really, arguably, one of the best all around forwards that we've seen in the game in a long time. So. Well, on that note, guys, thank you for watching another episode of Sports Ball, and we will see you next week. You have been listening to Sports Ball with Mike Meharry and Alan Mosley. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Odyssey, all at Alan Mosley TV. You can also subscribe to the show on your favorite podcasting platforms. Just search for Sports Ball with Mike and Alan. And you can find the weekly Sunken Cost Money Pit at Substack. Thanks for listening. We'll have more bread and circuses next week.